0: is the Not Ugly Pod, where we talk beauty that's odd. Odd beauty standards that never served us. Let's make a change when we fuss. Look, I'm not a rapper, but you get the vibe. Hello and welcome to the Not Ugly Pod. This is your host, Sarita Fontanessi, pronoun she, her. And today I am so incredibly excited for my guests. They are such a just kind and warm and like just wonderful spirit. Please welcome to the show, Vanessa. Hello.
1: Hi, Sarita. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, everyone listening. My name is Vanessa Rochelle Lewis and my pronouns are Fay, Fair, Them. Oh, yes. That was. I was
0: like, honey, I love that. Uh, um, anything you would like to share with the folks about who you are, about your work, what they can know about you?
1: Absolutely. So I'm from South Central Los Angeles where I lived until twenty. Then I moved to the Bay Area and I had my big, giant, delicious, gay adulthood mm-hmm. in and 30s and now I'm back home in L.A. I live with my two partners and my imaginary bearded dragon because my landlord <laughs> won't let me have a real one. Bah humbug. What uh, <laughs> I do is researching ugliness. I research ugliness. I think about how the concept of ugliness impacts humans, impacts our relationships with ourselves, with other people where it came from, why it has such an impact, how it's related to other systems of oppression, how maybe this idea of who is ugly and who is not ugly is its own system of oppression. It means to reclaim ugly. And in my work, ugly stands for uplift, glorify, love yourself and create a world where other people can as well. So, how are we reclaiming the parts of ourselves that have been uglified by other people or mm. nation? How are we loving those parts of ourselves? How are we uplifting ourselves? How are we glorifying ourselves with the same potency that some people may glorify their deity? You know, like in my life, that I was. I sometimes loved Jesus more than I loved me and I can't touch Jesus. I don't know what Jesus smell like, but I know what I smell like and I like it, shower or not. So Giannis, <laughs> Giannis, that really like touched a spot. Thank you
0: already. <laughs> For having me in for like doing this beautiful work. Yeah. Look, I very similar to what you were talking about, you know, reclaiming ugly. I hit a point in my life where I was just like, I am sick of not liking myself.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, this isn't fun. This isn't regenerative. This isn't getting me any closer to the successes and joys that I want in the world. And who benefits from me not liking myself? I don't like them. Why would I want to do something? For that oh, system to, like, thrive. So I, hard. like, really started to take a look at, you know, what would it be like if I was just kind
1: to myself? <laughs> yes. And and I think, that, I think that that right there is the foundation for, like, the social change that I'm craving. Like, people just being kind to themselves means that most likely they're going to be more kind to the people around them. And I'm Absolutely. Not talking about strangers. I'm talking about compassion for yourself leads to compassion for your loved ones. Leads yes. To compassion for that person you have a so so relationship with at work. You mm-hmm. know, more compassion for that person that disappointed you. One of the most important parts of reclaiming ugly is remembering that it's not only uplifting, glorifying, loving yourself, but creating a world. Where other people can do that as well. I don't think that people are just inclined to dislike themselves or just inclined to perceive themselves as less than. People are treated that way. People are socialized and brainwashed into disliking themselves. We live in a world that actively go- benefits from us not liking ourselves, from us staying complacent and staying in place. So if we created more space, for people to love themselves, if we created more space for people to advocate for themselves, if we created more space for people to self-actualize and determine what accessibility means for them, what beauty means for them, what joy and gender means for them, and we don't get in their way, we're going to find we have a lot less suicidal people, a lot less homicidal people, a lot less just simply depressed people. We're going to live in a more joyful world. So Let's make it pleasurable. Oh,
0: yes. Like I am like lit up right now because yes, like it's one of those things I say this a lot of simple and easy are not the same friends and we need to be mindful of that because it really is this simple of be kind to yourself, be kind to others, right? Like dismantling the systems and things that make us want to be unkind to ourselves and others. But that does not mean that that work is easy, by no stretch of the imagination. But the more that we allow ourselves to just like daydream about it and envision it, and and then talk about it and then be about it and do it, then the more we can move ourselves towards that place of pleasure and joy and and autonomy and self determination. So I am truly so excited
1: uh, for this conversation today. Add one thing to that, yes, to. please. And and also surrounding ourselves with people who have a similar mission. I think I think this work is spiritual, you know, which is why I embrace this idea of glorifying ourselves, like utterly glorifying ourselves. People who have religions or professions, they practice, they research, they study so that they can sustain their awareness, so that they can sustain their intentions. So how do those of us committed to liberation, committed to reclaiming ugly, committed to just liking ourselves and loving ourselves and treating each other better, how do we practice? Where do we go to? Who are we listening to? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? So it's it's about community. Yeah, I, I've said
0: this before that the antithesis Catholicism and white supremacy and hate is community is, is people coming together and nourishing each other and being there for each other and respecting and valuing each other um, and showing kindness to each other. And the, the first way to show up for the community is to take care of yourself and, and protect your peace and then create space for others to do the same. And, you know, it's, it's that ebb and flow of you know you help me out today, I help you out tomorrow. We help each other out the next day, you know, and and showing up for each other consistently and that sustainability part, like you said,
1: beautiful. <laughs> when the saints <laughs> go, my <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> listen.
0: <laughs> Now, listen, you know, I grew up going to church in the South, so (laughs) I'll pull a fan out real quick and we'll be there. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes.
0: So, Vanessa, the first question that I like to ask folks is, if you had just a dumb amount of money, cash to burn, money to spend, no worries about bills ever.
1: What beauty product or treatment are you getting? I am actually so excited for this question. Yes, yes, <laughs> because there are definitely things that I would do. So, first thing, I would take care of my nails weekly. That is mm-hmm. my thing that I prioritize. So, like, I, I, I see people with these beautiful nails, such as your own audience. I wish you could see Sarita's nails. Thank you, thank you. Shout out to nails.
0: <laughs> say your shout out again uh my nail tech Helia nails on instagram uh you can find her at the orange door here in austin kate keeps you right
1: well kate is keeping you right so i i love your nails so that's one i would definitely do the nails i would get lasik eye surgery because Ooh. i love my eyes i love my eyes and i hate poking them with contacts And I don't enjoy hiding the little glasses as much. I I just want to be out with my whole face out. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Well, in the sunshine. Um, And then this is the thing that I would do that's kind of wild. Okay, I'm excited. I mean, it's only a little wild, but I want elf ears. I think, okay, that's not that wild. And like very cute. Yes. Yes. So cute. And I want them. I want elf ears. I would spend money on elf ears. Oh, and I would also spend money on weekly massages. Shit. I might get two massages a week. That's right. We got money to spend money. Um, I love that elf ears are so cute. I don't think it's okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I would definitely get elf ears. And if all my bills are paid, that means that I don't have to like right now in my profession. I kind of have to move in between lots of different communities and so mm. have to hold back more than I want to. But I love a face full of piercings. Yeah. Full of piercings. And I miss, I miss my piercings. So I would definitely get quite a, probably a couple of my eyebrows, like maybe two yeah. eyebrows. And then I'd get a septum piercing again. I'd get a LeBray piercing and I'd get like a little side nose piercing Yeah. yes
0: yes when i i remember when i got my septum i was like well i'm officially not working in corporate america and that's fine but (laughs) but i was like i need to accept that reality right now um between like i i have my septum and i have a hoop in my nose um on the side but then i also am like I have locks and I have tattoos. And I was like, it's fine. Corporate America wasn't about to hire me anyways. So it's okay. <laughs> right
1: there. That part right there.
0: Yeah. So Maybe like, I'm just a lemon me. me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but that was, I love that. That's so fun. We're getting massages. We're getting our nails done. We're getting elf ears. Elf we're getting ears. some, yes, some more facial piercings. Like, why don't you do
1: it? I might even get permanent eyebrows.
0: Okay, so I have genuinely thought about this a lot, strictly from a, it would be one less thing I'd have to do. Like, and similarly, I'm like, well, I'm not going to spend the money on permanent eyebrows because I do have bills to pay. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I remember in middle school, uh, I my PE teacher in middle school, Mrs. Gard, she then became our assistant principal in high school. She had tattooed, eyebrows and eyeliner like she was fucking hardcore and i always was like and her face looks perfect every day like mrs like she never once like and i went to high school in new mexico so the desert and i was like she is out here in 113 degree weather with perfect never moved eyeliner and brows and i was like that is a flex
1: that is a flex that's beautiful my baby sister got eyebrow tattoos and then my mom got eyebrow tattoos and i look at them and i am just like uh i'm devastated like devastated in the most decadent way but mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my mom and my sister are like two of the most beautiful women that i have ever met shy of my friend and so just like every chance i get to just like devour them with my eyes and like ooh, the ways they decorate themselves it just brings me so much joy especially since I'm not, I'm not the type to do a lot of like self decoration, you know, like my hair is falling out because of the cancer, but also like I shave my hair (laughs) regularly or keep it in locks because I don't want to do my
0: hair. Okay. This is the thing I, everyone is like, oh, you locked your hair as some like radical act of blackness. And like, yeah, like there's always an element of that, but I was getting sick of getting my hair braided every like four or six weeks and my poor edges were like, will she ever let us grow back? So I finally just locked my hair because I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with my hair. Like, I, <laughs> and this isn't the, like, the, there's been lots of unpacking around me and my hair and when I did the big chop and like all the things, but it literally was just again from a place of practicality. natural hair is a scam whoever convinces you that having natural hair is easier than anything else is a liar and not your friend because my arms were tired like I was exhausted so I would keep my hair in braids because I was like well at least like it's low maintenance whatever but it also meant okay so every four to six weeks I have to carve out eight nine ten hours a full day to sit and get my hair braided and have to go buy the hair get the bundles like whatever go find whatever style we're gonna like and I was just like this is too much this like this officially is not fun anymore and I want the aesthetic without the work so I decided to lock my hair
1: (laughs) right there I also do like. I can't, I keep living like
0: this. Like mm-hmm. your girl is tired and on a budget. Like
1: <laughs> tired on a budget. I do not want to wake up at six o'clock so I can get to work at nine. No, so, no, no, no. I want. I <laughs> absolutely not. I love myself exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I think about when I think about kind of compulsive beauty and the composed beauty standards that are put on all kinds of people with all kinds of bodies and genders. Yeah. It's not only expensive, but it's time consuming Right, it's time consuming. It's another responsibility and there's, and, and it's hard, right? Because we live in a world where to access certain resources, you sometimes have to navigate certain expectations right. and, and, and projections and people will put, so much on you based off of whether you're wearing makeup or not, whether your hair is quote-unquote neat or not, based on whether your clothes have stains or not, right? And these things, they they had absolutely nothing to do with who we are, right? And right, we contribute to our relationships or to our professional setting. I'll never forget when I got written up, I used to be a community college teacher, and my assistant wrote me up. Because she felt like my dress was too tight and it showed she more visible belly outline. And that it would be sorry, the issue is visible belly. Yes. And that it would be inappropriate for my grown adult students and they would not be able to look. Right. My students <laughs> were excellent. They were outstanding. It was just body policing, body shame. fully. Her stuff around my body had absolutely nothing to do with what kind of educator I was. I was a fantastic educator. And maybe, maybe maybe somebody came to school more frequently because they enjoyed that video. Right. First of all, (laughs) give them something to look at while I'm talking. (laughs) I never had a problem.
0: Second of all, and and this is something that I screech a lot about is like the professionalism being a scam or a tool of white supremacy and particularly like professional aesthetic because I grew up in a like prominent black family in our town. Like Mm -hmm. my great grandfather has a school named after him. He was the first black uh, principal in our town. My grandmother, is, and he was a pastor. My grandmother is still a middle school teacher in that town. And, you know, like I I grew up, once I we moved from Houston to New Mexico and moved to this town, I was in the public eye, whether I liked it or not. And, like, you know, a lot of people knew me before. <laughs> I was like, I've never seen you in my life. Uh, but so there was a lot of pressure growing up of like the number of times I've heard my mom and my grandma say that I am an extension of them. Ooh, the way I show up. <laughs> the way I show up reflects on them. Oh my so, God. It sounds like you are quoting my parents. Oh my listen, listen <laughs> black parents, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> you know, in my, in my healing journey and my therapy and just getting older and being able to make choices for myself, I can have compassion for the fact that one some of that came from safety especially like thinking about like my grandma and like the era that she grew up in and like my mom's my mom's 60 so like she, girl went through it <laughs> so like I I understand I can understand the navigating whiteness that they were trying to deal with because I was often the only black kid or one of you know a couple and also I see the trauma that they were projecting onto me that I was internalizing that I've had to spend a lot of money on to undo. (laughs) But like, I, even, even as an adult, I still catch myself in moments of like, Ooh, if I go out like this, like, what are they going to say? Like what, who's going to be mad at me? Like, who's going to be upset, offended, whatever. And to your point, People have already made so many decisions about me before I've even opened my mouth, done anything.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Is that like no matter what I decide, I, no matter what I do. So like I have to make the choice. And I have and I say make the choice because it is a an active process to say fuck them. Like <laughs> fine, you decide what you want for me. And that means I'm I now can have a I can find a freedom in that to show up however i want whenever i want in the ways that i want because regardless of what i do you've already determined x y and z thing about me and i and i recognize that there is some privilege in that like right like i have a master's degree and i like you know hold a director title like like i'm at a place professionally where like i can kind of get away with it (laughs) and i work in a field that you know isn't isn't like i don't work in corporate and also, even in my personal life, though, like, I very much am, I don't want to spend time around you if I'm going to have to work. Like, okay. there's a difference between, like, maintaining relationships, right? Like, there, there's that, which is valid and real. But if I'm going to have to work just to be in your presence to be accepted, no thank you.
1: I'm over masking. I can't mask. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I don't have the capacity to mask. I just want to be free. I Yes. To be free, yes. Nice. Also, love that you're in. I'm um, drink a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. We say hydrated here at Not a we, on. I have three beverages surrounding me at the moment. Oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> so what I was gonna say is, I love that you're an executive. You're a director in your field because that means you're creating that environment for the people who work alongside you. You're yes likely creating space for for your colleagues. For the people you supervise, for the people y'all serve, to to have a similar sort of freedom, which I think is extraordinary and beautiful. I'm a director too in a nonprofit, but check this out: my 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 supervisor, our director, is my mother. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, that was like a visceral
0: <laughs> because I was picturing my mom being my boss, and the way was
1: she would cuss me out, loves <laughs> it. A part of me loves it. Because mom, my mom is a badass. She's she's a badass and she's extraordinary and she's trying to do incredible things. We recently had uh, my little sister recently gave birth to a baby. He's Mm -hmm. one year old now, and I can see the way that my mother has worked to heal generational curses. Oh yeah, her own trauma, um, and to reimagine parenthood between you know, being a grandmother to this child and being a parent mm-hmm. siblings and I. And and I think it's the work that that I have done and the work that so many people in our generation in our age group has done um, to step into their freedom, to step into their joy and their liberation and their ease. and And she, someone who worked in corporate America her whole life, is starting to see and starting to recognize mm-hmm. that those systems that she had to adhere to limited her and hurt her. She even is anti-spanking now. We used to fight about okay. talking. But now her house is a non-spanking household. Welcome, Mom. Yes. And Mom's doing some dope stuff. But Mama is also still very concerned about whether I'm ashy or not. And I understand. <laughs> the dis- There is nothing more disrespectful
0: than an elder looking you up and down and asking the question, are you out of lotion?
1: And, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. And I didn't right, right for a while. So I didn't know why I was so tired. But I was just like, I'm too tired to put on lotion. Sometimes my partners have energy and they put my lotion on for me. Because Ooh, that's love. Yeah, it is love. And it feels good on my skin. But yeah, I like, I'm like, you know, sometimes, sometimes a bitch is ashy and it is love. And y'all are gonna have to accept these ashy angles cause I'm tired. And okay. Like, and and can we just recognize why? Why does ashy have to be the like synonym for hot Why? <laughs> why? I like, so proudly proclaim sometimes that I'm ashy without people thinking that I don't believe slavery was real. <laughs> oh. I'm weak because
0: yes. I am ashy simply because I took a shower and I was running late and didn't have time to like lather myself up. Yeah. Not because I believe black people were the first people in a super toxic way. Like, oh my damn.
1: god. <laughs> or my favorite. I'm in California so sometimes I just go to the beach you know. right, right. I to the beach and get in water and then you know, I don't want to put lotion on after the beach. I want to take a shower first. Yeah, yeah, it's summertime. I'm in the pool. Like, when yeah, you are on a Of course. Of course. So I'm like, let's just, let's give each other a little bit more grace. Yes, yes. The flip side with my mom being my boss, like, it's hard for me not to want to look pretty for my mom. Like, of course. Like- yeah. She poos at me whenever, like, she likes my outfit or my makeup or my hair. She will just poo. And I, like. When she starts cooling, I feel like Sailor Moon, like I am elevated yes. circles.
0: My grandma came to visit earlier in this year. Um, and it was her first time coming to visit me here in Austin and like, you know, see my home and the dogs that I she knows my husband, but you know, see us in our life, which brought up a lot of like I have to make everything perfect because she's gonna be here and I don't want her to drag me. Yeah. Um, but also I noticed that like every day I was like, and now I got to put on a face because I'm about to go out in public with my grandma who like doesn't really wear makeup that much. Like my grandma is 82 and very much like I have earned every choice that I make and no one can question me. And I love that about her. Mm-hmm. But I was like, there was me like preemptively, like I said, like, I don't want to get dragged today. Like I'm too sensitive. <laughs> So let me do what I can to, like, <laughs> keep keep the the critiques at bay and maybe bring in some compliments. And the thing is, I know that my grandma loves me so fucking much and would would and has moved mountains for me. Yeah. And
1: I also know that my grandma cannot help herself when she has. some <laughs> money to learn. She's still teaching. She's not too old to learn. And, and, and I will give her credit. She has gotten better. You know, there used to be there. She doesn't
0: really do body comments anymore, which uh-huh. I very much appreciate. But it's still like the first thing she said, I've been picking her up from the airport and she goes, your skin's just so pretty. Why do you pick it? Because I have acne scars. And I was like, because I have crippling anxiety. <laughs> <Absolutely>. uh-huh. <laughs> which I told her, which that was my answer. Like, you know, our relationship has has developed enough that I can at least counter those comments with like a heavy dose of reality and she won't take it personally, and, like, I'm mad at her or something, because that was not always the case. But, but and also, right, there's still this element of, like, in her wanting to, like, value me, she is putting this, like, expectation of how I'm supposed to show up that will indicate the value that I have, despite the fact that, as a human, I'm inherently valuable.
1: Inherently. Inherently valuable. And that's my being, like, my value shouldn't shift on whether I'm wearing makeup or not. For me, a lot of times when I do, well, first off, I dress up because I do like it. You know, I, I think I, I I have my own aesthetic, right? And for my work, Reclaiming the Ugly is not about arguing away from beauty by any means. It's about recognizing that beauty is subjective. And we get to define what beauty means to us and opt in or opt out. You know, no one should be forced to fit into anybody's standard of beauty. Um, however, the thing that I really want to to sit with that she said is this relationship between love and judgment. I don't know if your parents or your aunt, I just love to say this, but I'm just telling you this because I love you no 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 thank you that's not the kind of love we serve in today No, i wouldn't tell you this if i didn't love you we are not doing struggle loves obey
0: no no love okay? and saying things like i love you but or i wouldn't tell you this if i didn't love you i say it i love you. it is struggle
1: love and i'm not doing it yeah <laughs> it's a gaslight it's Love is not a lubrication for disrespect. Oh, oh, say that again. (laughs) Love is not a lubrication for disrespect. Thank Thank you. No, No. No. But, but I get where it comes from. You did mention the generational thing. You know, we do know the social pressures. Our family is aware of what happens when people look at you make an assessment, and then treat you a certain way. And that's that's the part. When you said earlier that it's simple but not easy, that's the hard part. The hard part is people do treat you a certain way based off of how you look in the world. And that's why I think the work of reclaiming ugly needs to be something spiritual because we need that armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need that self-devotion when we move into a world when we move into spaces where we have to hear the weapons of people's words. You know, I am a 300-pound, dark-skinned Black woman. I sometimes might walk up and down the street and I will hear groups of children laughing at me and making comments about my body. There are times when I go places and people make assumptions about my, um, whether I'm going to steal. <laughs> which is so it's so interesting but like they i was sick of being followed <laughs> right i know it's something that so many black people experience but like just this assumption that that i'm gonna steal this assumption or or even my own internalized um respectability politics oh yeah that um people are gonna think i don't know how to act so it sometimes is. dress up i am dressing up not because of my pleasure but sometimes i'm dressing up for my safety because for at ease. ease still with people's disrespect because i had a fight target it my outside. husband and i always
0: joke uh my husband is white and um he used to work at nordstrom like when we first started dating and there was this one time i went to go meet him for we were gonna go for lunch when he got off his shift uh, and i was a little early so i was like it's fine i'm just gonna wander around the store and of course I got followed around and I was screeching about it to him uh when we went to lunch and he was like yeah what's funny is I've stolen from Nordstrom so many times <laughs> <laughs> never been caught never been followed ever and I was like I would never steal from Nordstrom because I'm terrified of what would happen if I got caught and like, and you know, like we were, we, we laugh about it now, but you know, in the moment, like she was like, you know, that's it's really fucked. Like, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. Uh, you want me to go like yell at someone about it? And I was like, honestly, I don't want to deal with it anymore, but I love that that's your instinct. Thank you. Uh, um, but yeah, right. Like I, I also know like walking into a Nordstrom, if I go in, doesn't matter how much money I spend on my jeans, but they've got rips in them. I am definitely going to be treated a different way than if I come in with looking, like, super put together and, like, very prim and proper or whatever. Um, And even still with that, I'm probably not going to have a positive experience. (laughs) So, again, like, kind of going back to, like, at a certain point, like, absolutely, I make decisions for safety and for comfort and for ease all the time. And also... I am part of protecting my peace is remembering that I can only do so much yeah. and I can only be responsible for so much. And that is why I push for liberation. I push for a world without these oppressive sy- systems so that right. I don't have
1: to work this hard. Yes. Uh, and and so that more of us don't have to work this hard. Yes. Yes. My, my argument is, and it's so funny that I have cancer because I do think that my cancer is in part because of how much stress and trauma I've retained in my body. Um, That's what I said about my fibroids when I had to get them removed. I was like, this is trauma, baby. That's exactly what it is. And I deal with crippling anxiety too. Um, I wish more people recognize anxiety as a disability because my anxiety is so disabling. But, oh no, I forgot what I was going to tell you. Oh, well. (laughs) If it comes back, let me know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, you were talking, you've talked a lot about how Working to reclaim ugly is a big piece of your work.
1: Oh, I remember. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you. Stress. Oh, man. Yes. And yes. Stress in trauma. This pressure, especially as Black mages, Black people with marginalized genders, you know, Black women, Black trans people, Black non-binary people. We are put under so much stress and so much scrutiny by the world by the people we co-work and collaborate with, sometimes by our lovers and friends and partners, by our family. Um, and it's killing us. Stress is killing us. It's killing us in the form of cancer, in the form of diabetes, in the form of addiction. It is killing us. And I think that reclaiming ugly, choosing to divest, choosing to surround yourself with a force field and a fortress of love, and a that's going to reinforce that love, is one of the things that's going to protect us. It's one of the things that is not only going to protect us from, like, stress that kills us, but it's going to be the thing that elevates us out, that heals us. That yes. Heals us, you know, and right now with cancer, I, it's a, it's such an interesting experience because even though I talk about uh, reclaiming ugly, I talk about beauty, I talk about these things and I try my best to practice them. I don't always succeed, right? I don't always. I'm, I'm not, human. I'm human. I'm not, I'm not always able to keep those voices at bay. I'm not always able to not make unfair expectations on myself. But with me, mm-hmm. I have no responsibility to be anything for anyone. Ooh, yes. I'm a good person. The way your body will
0: throw you to the ground and make it very clear that your only obligation is yourself. Yes. It is both
1: remarkable and hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, But the way that it feels in my body, even with the pain from the chemo, you know, even with that discomfort, there is a sort of freedom and joy. That I get to have right now, that I'm so grateful for. Even while I, you know, I sing this. I like to rap music, kind of like Issa from Issa Ramp. Yes, yeah. And so I've been singing these songs about my cancer pussy. <laughs> 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 and I get her, so I'm like, yeah, I got that cancer pussy. Yes, yeah. you know, and <laughs> and so and, and I'm walking around extra slow, and I'm frowned up sometimes but I still feel so much love from me. Like I still feel so sexy, so beautiful, so valued, so precious. I'm taken care of. I'm flirted with. I'm fucked when I want to be fucked. I sit into any standards of beauty or health or any of those things right now. And it's the most gorgeous and decadent reminder that like, my value is not an external thing, by you. In- yes, yes. My value is my soul. My value is how I make the people around me feel because I'm showing up with authentic love. And when I'm hating on myself, when I'm dissing myself, when I'm pressuring myself to be something other than what I am, I can't show up with that same authentic love for myself or for my partners, mm-hmm. right? That, mm-hmm. And that, and that there, that that self hate. Yes. what's the possible what's possible which could be a cycle of love so oh, love yes oh yes 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 Yes. I, I-, I- love your affirmation voice <laughs> <laughs> I'm just on a you how people love <laughs> like
0: oh like when I look when I I have big feelings all the time so like I once had a boss tell me she was like I don't think you've ever been neutral on anything and I was like, honestly, you're right. Like, <laughs> when I love, I love. When I'm mad, I'm mad. Like, I <laughs> do what? BPD? Um, no, uh, just regular anxiety and depression. Just yeah. the usual. Um, I'm, but air but a fire I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo sun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Leo sun, moon, Venus, and Jupiter. So, <gasps> what... Uh, so she's got a lot of big feelings all the time. Same in a Sagittarius. Ooh, okay. So you get it. Like, I get it. I like get that. It. Fire that's yeah. just constantly in your belly. That, you know, there are days that I'm grateful for and days that I am parched. <laughs> like, fire, we like this. Hello, dragon. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. But, like, you know, with all of that in mind, I wonder what does beauty mean to you?
1: Beauty is fun, and and when I think of me, I come to this quote. I actually can't say the quote word for word, but the book, The Color Purple. Okay, I'm there. I'm with you. <laughs> okay. So Celie asks, should you know if you be- if she believes in God, if God is real, right? And so Shug says, "Come with me. Let's go for a walk." And they go outside. They go on a little walk, and Shug points at a purple plant, plant with purple flowers. And Shug says that right there is is what God is for me. And it's an example Mm -hmm. of what God has created. And honoring God means honoring the beauty of this plant, being present Mm -hmm. enough to absorb the beauty of this plant. So for me, beauty is a choice. It's choosing to see and recognize and engage with what you define as beautiful. It's not objectifying people or objects. It's not pushing people into standards or categories based off of what you've been taught Beauty is, but really moving at a pace where you could slow down and enjoy like delicious combination of features and characteristics that people are, that nature is, that life pre- presents to us. Beauty is fun, right? Beauty is having fun, experimenting with colors, experimenting with clothes, experimenting with hair. Beauty is how we treat people, you know, like being kind, being sweet. I'm I'm a fan of sweetness. You know, I love a sweetheart and I'm going to choose a sweetheart over someone who is stunningly glamorous any and every day because I want that sweetness in my life. My health won't let me eat sugar so let me eat up. Pers- gotta get my sweets <laughs> where I can, okay? No. <laughs> so like, like, for blood. <laughs> I mean, and we get Just. to choose, recognizing that we get to choose. Oh my god! But I gotta know, you can't ask me that question without telling me your answer. I know you have probably shared it a million times. Actually, I don't know if I have. I realize, oh, oh like, because I'm so
0: used to being on like the asking side. Um, I mean, I talk about it, but I don't know if I've ever explicitly like given an answer. But yeah, I think for me, beauty, is a feeling more than a like, tangible thing. And I I find beauty in similar to what you were saying, those moments of calm and not even necessarily calm, but in stillness and presence. And like, I find it beautiful when my husband is on like a deep dive about something and really wants to share oh. and like kind of info depth. Like I info blown. That's what we say yeah, info bloom. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. I love that because it's for me, beauty and like passion are very connected. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the things that, that excite, the things that in like create curiosity, like yes. that is really important to me about and like that is part of beauty and similarly like you know there are objectively beautiful people based on a myriad of of standards and ideas and whatever and also like an ugly personality is very real and and a non-beautiful personality is very real so yeah like i i also think beauty and like magic are synonymous like the the like finding magic and like wonder in the world like that's really beautiful i feel beautiful when when i dress up but also just like like this (laughs) is everyone you're gonna get to learn a lot about me in this moment in our in our room if you are sitting on the toilet you can see the mirror on my vanity as you stand up and there are times where i'll catch myself in that mirror you know, like going to the bathroom isn't really beautiful, but I'll catch myself in that mir- mirror and be like, "Ooh, OK, hello. Yes. Like, you know, like there, are like there are little moments like that where it's just like I maybe wasn't expecting it. Like, again, like it excites me and like causes me to want to like engage with myself. Like even if it's just a glancing pass
1: in the mirror, that is that is beauty for me. I love that so much. And I am so in alignment with you. That is, that's beautiful for me too. I love looking at myself. Like I'll just, I'll confess it. I love looking at myself. I love a mirror. I like to, I do do not always love a mirror, but I do now. And you know, Meg
0: said, walk past every mirror just to see my own posterior. And I really related to that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you know what? You're right. Now <laughs> <laughs> I also
1: have a juicy booty. You know what?
0: Yeah, and you a very were- reminder. Yeah. You know, I got
1: a belly and a booty and they both look great. <laughs> They're both ample with curves. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I do. I love uh, when I think of beauty, I think of myself. I, I love my skin. I love yeah. my eyes. I love my lips and my smile. Oh, these cheekbones. Oh. Uh. I know, look at the stunning headphones are popping. They are popping. So I love looking at myself. But another thing that I'm really into is touching myself. And I like to feel my embrace, but I also like to feel my body. You know, I love the way that my fat feels. I sometimes Mm -hmm. talking about like uh, enjoying your posture. (laughs) Yes. I love walking around and holding my ample ass. And, like, especially when I'm walking up and down stairs, like, I like to feel, hold my, (laughs) and down the stairs so I could feel the ripple and the jiggle. And that's to me, like, just being able to indulge in pleasure is beautiful. Being able to be free in your own sensuality, your own erotic, your own wantonness is beautiful. And another thing that I like to think about too with personalities and beauty is excuse me, I burped. Is also just how subjective that I is. Like, yes, some people might think a high maintenance diva is like not attractive. I am the kind of lesbian that loves a high maintenance as diva, yes. and yes. it doesn't necessarily mean that you are like Jessica Rob, just not Jessica Roberts. Was a Jessica Rabbit? It doesn't like Jessica Rabbit, she's cute and all, but I like someone, oh my God, this is going to sound like I'm hitting on you, I swear
0: I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, it's fine.
1: <laughs> my Leo ass. <laughs> but I love someone with a big personality. Like I love people with big personalities, big opinions, big feelings, big vocabularies, and the boldness to express themselves. I like somebody Yeah. Is center stage and who will share that stage, you know? Yes, yes. I'm a little bit of a center stage girl too, and I wanna share it. But also sometimes I just wanna be in the background and like holding a big ass feather fan, worshiping a goddess or a prince or something, you know? Like, yes. I, oh, <laughs> yes. I love somebody who revels in, in who they are. And there are some people that can't stand that. There are some people that'll call someone an arrogant or a narcissist, but yeah. I, I like I like the narcissist, and there's a difference between somebody who's narcissistic and violent, right? Right, right, right. There's a difference between someone who you know is not in control of their narcissistic personality disorder, right? Yeah. That person might need some help, but they can get the help, and maybe then they yeah. might be the kind of narcissist that I love, which is someone who is full of themselves. I want- yes. yes, 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 yes. I I feel very
0: similarly of that. I really gravitate towards people who are embodied, yeah. who are like fully present with themselves, who are showing up authentically. I love a bold personality. Uh, I love jokes uh, if yeah. you can make, and like I love like silly, like dumb jokes, like I love <laughs> fart jokes, fart me. jokes, and poops. Yeah, jokes. like my girlfriend calls me Sir Poops a lot. <laughs> Like, I, like, you know, there's, like, that, like, playfulness is, like, really, is really beautiful to me. Um, And, you know, thinking about how, like, you have gotten to this place of how you understand beauty. I'm curious, how has your definition of beauty changed over time?
1: Well, okay, so I have two answers. One is, I don't think that I ever had a definition of what was beautiful for myself because I grew mm. up being told that I was ugly. Um, right. yeah. And because I grew up being told by my peers that I was ugly, I was always fighting to argue that there was no such thing. I mean mm. my mind. I do think that there's a such thing as ugliness. I think that the idea of ugliness is our our colonized brain. Mm. I think yes. our, body, our our imaginations have been colonized. And we don't have words for people, so we use ugly. But in reality, I, I think that there are not ugly people. I think that there are people that need help. I think that there are people that need healing. I think there are people that need changes. I think that there are people who have been deeply disin- disin- disadvantaged and disenfranchised. And you can see it you know, mm-hmm. I, I think there are people that are hungry. I think there are people that are addicted. I think there are people that haven't had the same resources to take care of their bodies the ways that others have or get rest the way this, that others have. But I don't think that they're ugly people, you know. So that that has been a thing that has shifted for me is, is this understanding of what ugly is and what ugly is not and there was a period of time where I might have thought that someone was ugly you know so that's the thing that I'm glad that has changed but I'll also say that one of my friends did call me out maybe about eight or nine years ago yeah maybe about eight seven years ago she noticed that almost everyone I was dating was lighter skinned, was skinny, mm. and was like what she called a pretty boy nigga. Was she- <laughs> she was, yeah. I'm tired of you bringing me skinny, light-skinned, pretty boy niggas over to my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> oh, they look like a female genuine. I could not work on this. <laughs> oh, genuine. I will say, I will say. You know when I when I shifted that and I started looking at people whose bodies, whose facial features, whose lived experiences reminded me more of myself, my love life started to change drastically. They started it started more pleasurable, um, yeah, become less violent, more equitable, more safe, more more safe um i started to feel more actualized and at home in my relationships so while i didn't have a concept of beauty for myself i think i was still oriented towards what the world told me right the date and i'll never forget it you know my first relationship was an abusive relationship it was with another black woman but you know yeah. she was very g- gorgeous in in a traditional sort of way thin green eyed you know light and yeah. Um, sweet as a friend we were friends first and she was sweet as a friend but then as a partner she was very abusive she was yeah. abusive. she was aggressive she thought that I was always flirting with people she was always scared that I was going to leave her for a white woman or a man And sometimes when I sparkled a lot in public she'd get so mad that she'd come home and trigger warning for violence but she'd beat me she'd mm-hmm. be she'd molest me and there were times when I told myself that she was acting this way because of how much she loved me. And if somebody yep. like her loved me to this amount of irrationality, I must be beautiful. Yeah. So I was validating and justifying my beauty or trying to prove myself beautiful in a horrible way. And then when I broke up with her, I briefly dated this other fat, dark skinned black feminine. And, you know, I wasn't ready to date yet. Um, I wasn't ready to be sexual yet. I was still just in my feelings from this breakup because it was a seven-year relationship. Yeah. But I ended up, you know, having sex with her. And it was, at the time, one of the best sexual experiences of my life. Mm. It was so good. And I was so confused because... I didn't want to go there at the time. I was so confused because I wasn't sure what I wanted. But I also, there was this part of me that really wanted her. And there was this other part of me that was afraid that people who used to say that my ex was too beautiful for me because we'd get that. Like, we'd literally go places and, and sometimes other women would approach my ex and be like, you So fine, you could be with anybody. Why are you choosing her? Or just yeah. would assume that we would be together and what, right? With my ex right in front of me, like assuming we were friends or something. So, I had this hang up that I needed to prove through a partner, how yeah. terrible. I was, and I was afraid that my ex would be like, Oh, that's all you could get, right? Or, of that, course, yeah, would think that. Um, and I I think that I limited my relationship with this woman because of my internalized lookism, my internalized fat phobia, my internalized self hate. So I think that today, if I had dated that woman, we wouldn't have had that experience. She'd be wiped down. (laughs) Literally brilliant and gorgeous and abusive. And I've tried to holler at her multiple times since then. And every time she's like, girl, I ain't stunning you. I already like, look, <laughs> I am mean, about, it, and I deserve better. And she's right. She did deserve better. You hate it when they don't. <laughs> yeah. but I, think that I think that that story is what I think of when I think about how my idea of beauty evolved. It, it moved away from rejecting people who looked like me. It moved away from dating people in order to validate my insecurity or in order to to impress some imaginary voice in my head to like really just being able to see people for who they are and and love them for who they are and to realize I don't need anybody's validation. Love, relationships are not vehicles for validation. Relations- oh. Vehicles for connection and joy. <laughs> I just don't know why you are talking about me like this. <laughs> you
0: know like I resonate so much with what you were saying especially about relationships being this vehicle for validation because when I think about my past relationships especially like you know everybody's got that one ex that really fucked you up to varying degrees that everyone's got that one and when I think about that relationship in particular that entire relationship was founded on me seeking validation, yeah, and him being able to hold a lot of power because I wanted that validation. And I remember talking to my therapist when I was in um I was in like early recovery from my eating disorder. And I was like, "You know, I am frustrated and exhausted with myself because I go out and I waste so much fucking time talking to these people that I don't care about and I don't actually want to be talking to you, but I'm desperate for the validation and I'm desperate for what it means for them to be engaging with me and what it means for them to be thinking about me in a sexual way in rarely a romantic way, but maybe, Um, but like, and, and what the, and what these interactions must mean about me. Yeah. And she was like, well, if you don't want to do it, why are you doing it? And I was like, because I need validation. <laughs> like if I being not, like I want and need validation and I don't know how to do it for myself. And I am not convinced that I can do it for myself at that point in my life. And so the, the easiest way to tick off the validation box is to have someone be in love with me for the moment. Yeah. And so I would end up in these like problematic toxic like not going anywhere situationships like not even really relationships because i would convince myself that like oh this is this is liberation this is sexual liberation i can i can go be with whoever i want whenever i want because i'm so like liberated when actually it was like no i'm i'm desperately seeking something in every single one of these interactions and you know through like through work and healing did get to a place where I was like, yeah, if I want to go get fucked, I can go get fucked because that's my business. But for a long time, that was not the case. It was like, oh no, this is a validator. Like this interaction, whether we have sex or not, like this interaction, the fact that you are interested is validation that I am worthy, that I am attractive, that I am whatever shit that I was convinced of. And, you know, like people will say like, you know, how do how do people end up in abusive relationships? That <laughs> I right there. i <laughs> like, have you never doubted yourself once ever? Yeah. Like what, what what do you mean, Al?
1: I mean, look <laughs> at the world we live in. I mean, what you're saying, what I'm saying, is messages that most of us receive, especially those of us who like are assigned female at birth, who identify with womanhood because femininity is, is shaped in this white patriarchal gaze. Even in the Black community, it's shaped in a Black patriarchal gaze. Mm. That's things that I'm reclaiming. I'm reclaiming my beauty, my body, my ugly, my everything from the patriarchy. No. Yes. Yes. No, including my internalized patriarchy. No. I say no. It hurts too much. It don't feel good. It's too limited. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't like this. I don't like this. And that's my thing about worth. I deserve better than that. You know, and I could say it over and over and over. And most of the time it's stick, it. Right, right. And and again, you know, like Sarita, I know I just want to say too, congratulations, mama. You just told a really beautiful story of oh, thank you. And, um and just get into a place where now, you know, you got your husband, your boo. You get to, you still get that information, right? I do. And without do any coercion. Exactly. Exactly. And from someone whose opinion you value and you cherish because you choose. Yes. Them. Because, yes. The man, to you, you know? You know, I
0: always say, like, you know, we choose each other every day. Like, yeah. neither of us has to be here. Nobody yeah. has, but every day we continue to choose each other. That's and, true. And I, and I say, I have said this to, you know, when friends are like, how did you know that like he was your person? And I'm like, blah, blah. and I was like, you know, part of it was that I showed up to the relationship differently. And, and that was like an immediate green flag of, oh, this must be different. And also that he was the only person that I had been with that wanted to genuinely grow with me and wasn't afraid of my growth and wasn't, didn't feel limited by my because so many of those past relationships wanted a very specific version of me that I gave them, but then the minute that I was like, "This is I don't I don't actually like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be this person," then it was I'm the problem. It's my fault. Why am I doing this to them? Yep. Uh, and and again, like I have so much compassion for those versions of myself because she was doing the best she could with the tools she had available. (laughs) And, and also am incredibly grateful to not be there anymore and to not be that person anymore. Um, And that's not to say that like, I don't have moments where I'm like, I could really go for some validation, (laughs) (laughs) but I am one in a healthy relationship where I can just turn to my partner and say, I could go for some validation (laughs) and get it. And it's just that simple. And also I can catch myself when I am falling into those old patterns and habits of, of seeking validation. And, and when those moments come up asking what is happening, what is going on that you feel unworthy? Like what is, what is actually at the heart of this?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that, Sarita. I love it, too. And I just, I love to see Black women be loved. I love it. Yes. I think that's one of the things that's going to save and extend our lives. So, you know, and, and loved, whether it's romantic, loved in our friendship circle, loved by the, absolutely, create and collaborate with, loved by our family, you know, and loved by ourselves. So I love it. Yes. Yes. Girl, I'm tired. You know, this cancer, the, right? I don't got energy. I can't I can't be moving like I used to, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. I think we have to wrap it up.
0: Yes, yes. I will. So there are two questions, and you can choose to answer either, none, whatever feels good for you. What makes you question your beauty, and what or who makes you feel beautiful?
1: Mm. Well, I'll definitely say who makes me feel beautiful. I think I've done a really good job choosing people, you know, mm. like, not just my partners who are extraordinary and they definitely definitely make me feel beautiful, but my family, like the work that my mom and my sister are doing with their own black feminism and self-liberation mm-hmm. means that when I'm with them most of the time I feel beautiful, you know, and then my other kinds of partners My dear friends, the family eating it, the people that I've chosen, the people that have stuck with me for the last 20 years that I've been an adult, they make me feel beautiful, you know. These people are fighting for me. Like my loved ones are creating a fundraiser, you know, Mm -hmm. to help me navigate cancer and they keep me out of the conversation. I'm not there for. Oh, less. I'm not. Yes. Any of the coordination. I don't have to do the promotion. They are like, let us take care of you. Your job right now is to stay the fuck alive, bitch. Heal yes. us. Rest. Relax. That makes me feel beautiful. And that makes me feel beautiful in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with my physical person and everything to do with the work that I've done to be the kind of human being that I am. You know, like I know that I have these relationships because I attract damn good people and i attract yes. good people because i'm a damn good person yes to make me feel beautiful like even my most recent ex who is still my friend we are good yeah. friends i love them and i look at them and i talk to them and i'm like you have the most beautiful soul that has ever existed you are my sacred sacred eddie and to know that you Oof. love enough to spend five years of your life with me like Oof. That makes me feel beautiful. Like, you're an incredible human, you know? So so that's what makes me feel beautiful, my loved ones. Oh, and what also makes me feel beautiful is the fact that I wrote a book. Yes!
0: January, yes. okay? Yes. Which, that is perfect. Uh, anything that you would like to share with the folks about you, your work, how they can find you, where they can follow your incredible work?
1: Yes! Here, I am going to pull up some stuff right now. Uh, Beautiful. So, <laughs> thank you. The book is called "Reclaiming Ugly: A Radically Joyful Guide to Unlearn Oppression and Uplift, Glorify, and Love Yourself." By okay, the- come on. Yes, Liz. Yes. And then the the little subheading is called revolutionary stories tools and theories for a liberated life so when i read that yeah. book oh thank you every i'm there eat it or review it or go through another another editing cycle i just i just feel so proud of myself like yes. this beautiful book and it has such big heart in it and i really feel like reading it feels like being wrapped up by a hug you know, emulate mm. it creatively because my background is poetry and creative writing. Like, it just, I'm proud of it. And to know that, like, I created this and and that my editors and publishers supported me to craft it so beautifully that, like, that's beauty right there. And that has, when when people interact with my work and they like it, like, oh, Black faith thriving. I'm here for it. I
0: cannot say thank you enough for coming on and doing this interview with me. I, my like spirit feels so incredibly uplifted and I'm so grateful. Um, I, (laughs) I
1: can't say thank you enough. Uh, I can't say thank you enough for like being with me and being patient with me. And I just, I, I, I love it. I loved every second of it. I'm so happy we got to talk. I, I hope that if I'm ever in Dallas or if you're ever in LA, we can link up. Yes, yes. I feel like we would vibe. I feel like we would. Like
0: we'd have a great time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have no doubts about it.
1: Be around being anxious and watching TV. I'm still down. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm really good at.
0: (laughs) Being anxious, watching TV. Well, that is a wrap, y'all. As always, you can find the show at Not Ugly Pod wherever. You listen to podcasts on all the platforms. And you can find me, your host, at Sarita Fanta on all the things as well. And we'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Perfection. Absolute. That was the end. Go tell a friend to listen to the Not Ugly Pod. Look, I'm still not a rapper.